Welcome to Public Safety Talk Radio, the podcast for all our heroes in public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers, healthcare workers, and more. This show is produced by the POCUA and is founded upon its Soundness Initiative. This episode is also sponsored by the POCUA, a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. Always remember, if you aren't banking with a POCUA credit union, you're just working with an institution that just so happens to serve public safety professionals, and you deserve better. Hi, I'm Ken Bader, your host for Public Safety Talk Radio, and I have another great guest. I know I always say that, but this is going to be a really interesting conversation. Uh, I have a great expert from the great country of Canada. Uh, His name is Dr. Francis Mpindu, and he is the executive director. I know I'm going to get this particular pronunciation wrong, but he is the executive director of Nigan Abin Resolution Services. I'll let him correct me a little bit later if I got that wrong. But he's a passionate practitioner who helps police jurisdictions via alternative dispute and conflict management tools to create a conflict resolution culture internally and externally and contribute to officer wellness, mentally, physically, emotionally, socially, and spiritually, which fits in perfectly with our soundness initiative. Doctor, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Ken. I feel very, very honored to be be invited and to uh, participate in your show today. So thank you. My pleasure. I, I know we're going to have a very insightful discussion. Uh, we're we're going to cover some unfortunate, you know, some heavy subjects that are going on in, in our country and possibly in Canada as well. But we're also going to have some fun too, if that's all right with you. Oh, definitely. I'm looking forward <laughs> to that. <laughs> so, so why don't we kick off with the resolu- resolution services business, which I'm sure I messed up in terms of pronunciation, uh, and, and how your work with police officers, you know, kind of began in Canada, and and obviously tell us about that business as well. Excellent. Well, you did. Um quite well actually because you did not even ask me how do you pronounce that but uh, I could tell that you put in a lot of effort to that (laughs) that's great I try (laughs) (laughs) right so Nigunabin Resolution Services Uh, Nigunabin is a compound First Nations word Mm. it has two concepts the concept of uh, um, the future and uh, the concept of being together. So it is a concept of creating a future together. And uh, it took me a while actually, I even, yeah, thank you. And I actually ended up connecting with my First Nations friends just up in Northern Ontario here in Canada. And I say to them, this is what I'm thinking of. And uh, I'm thinking of a word that would be able to capture that. So they got together and a few elders got together and they came up with that. So I really, really treasure yeah. the, uh, uh, the value and uh, the, the principles um, expressed in this. So, and, and w- when you think of uh, creating a future together, that's what happens when you have a healthy relationship. Yeah you're creating a future together. 
and uh, it's it's really an invitation into a path, and that's uh, the, something we'll talk about later on. Um, life is so daily, mm-hmm. and oftentimes things happen that are not on the schedule. And uh, someone said that uh, you know we need each other, even though sometimes we needle each other. Yeah. <laughs> so every now and again we need to help outside of ourselves. And so they're gonna be in resolution services is really a service to uh, police officers. And to me, this has not always been the case. I'm originally from Zimbabwe, Ken. Mm-hmm. I don't think I even mentioned that to you. I but, saw that uh, on, on your LinkedIn. <laughs> I, I, okay. I, liter- I literally, as I often do on this show, I get so much information about a guest that I'm like, all right, I could go on and read this for 20 minutes, or I could just get the great guest on and have him or her talk about it him or herself. So go ahead, go ahead. We do want to hear about that. That's very kind of you. Anyway, so, you know, I grew up in an environment where you stay away from the police, you run away from the police, and I mean, all kinds of things. There's, there's no need for me to get into all that. But Coming to Canada was uh, uh, an eye-opener for me because I became curious. I said, I wonder how the police work here. Mm-hmm. And uh, through that uh, curiosity and uh, taking an initiative to connect, to find out what they do, Ken, that was a new journey for me. Yeah. And uh, I don't think I would have known what I have known about the police if I had not taken that courage and the initiative to say, hey, listen, I need to find out how they work. And uh, I think that's something we'll talk about later on as well. When there is ignorance, there's suspicion and fear. And uh, when you're you're not um, comfortable you are uneasy and you cannot be effective. You don't function well. This is why you find even the good citizens when they are pulled over by the police, when they are nervous, they can't even find their driver's license. <laughs> you yeah. know, that, that's, that's what happens when you're nervous. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to, uh, to, to really function. So Niganabin Resolution Services is something I came up with in order to respond to the needs that I saw within the police services, within the police service, as well as within the community. Because as, um, as a police chaplain uh, here in Canada, with the service that I'm on, I can go there anytime, uh, put on my uniform and ride with anyone as long as I want, I have no restrictions. So you get to see the side, you get to see the best side of police officers and sometimes not the best side and sometimes you see the best side of the community and sometimes you see the worst side of the community. So through that, I was like, you know what? We need to come up with a service here that would be able to um, uh, serve both sides really. Yeah. So that's that's what this is about. Yeah, yeah, great, great points. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you use the word ignorance, and I agree with that 100%. I think that there's a lot of ignorance um, in our country as well as in the world. Not stupidity, 
uh, but but true ignorance. And you know, sometimes people take me to task when I use the word ignorant, thinking that it's a, a negative or an insult, and it really isn't. All it simply means is that somebody doesn't know something. They have the capacity to learn it. Uh, right. If they're intelligent, you know, if they're stupid, there's no help for them. But but if you're ignorant, there's help for you. Yeah, you could you could learn a different way, or you can learn about about you know your uh, a different sector, if you will. And I've seen ignorance uh, on both sides. It's it's interesting that uh, one of the very first episodes we had of Public Safety Talk Radio um, was with Sean Wyman, who runs uh, Going Beyond the Call. He's also a police officer in Florida. And you know, he had mentioned you know, in, in true non-ignorance, you know, things that needed to be changed in policing, um, but also mentioned, okay, you, know, you want to change my profession, but you haven't even been on a ride-along. You know, come and see what we do. You know, come and come to the training that we do. You know, on uh, mitigation and so forth, and then tell me what you think you should change. But don't tell me what <laughs> what we should change when you haven't even experienced the training or what we do out in the community. <laughs> That's a great approach. I agree with him a hundred percent because you know what oftentimes like when somebody says uh you know i, I think you're ignorant on this it's so easy to um look at that as it's an attack on my identity on who i am instead of we're dealing with ideas here like someone said you know we are all ignorant we show mm -hmm. our ignorance at different times right yep. <laughs> so you know there are some things i don't know and, and i think this is why we we have to be willing to engage so that we learn things by listening to other people. And through that, we become better. But if I am so hung up in me, myself, and I, and I just listen to myself, and, and uh, I'm sure that those are some of the things we're gonna talk about, you know, you become the only voice you listen to. It's, it's dangerous. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, uh, agreed. Well, let's get into that a little bit, because you mentioned that you assist police jurisdictions to create a conflict resolution culture. Um, and I've had the privilege to, to do a lot of work in culture, so I, I love that phrase. Can you explain exactly what is conflict resolution culture and what does it take to achieve that? Conflict resolution culture really has the idea of being intentional about addressing or managing a conflict the moment you detect it's there. Oftentimes what happens is there is tension. Mm -hmm. Things fester, you know, they build up and nobody's talking about it. You know there is an issue, but you're not doing anything about it. Like uh, within my friends, uh, uh, by the way, I wanted to start by saying that I'm very biased. I love police officers and I have tremendous respect for them. Right. Um, so within the police service, because of the nature of their work, oftentimes they have to be tough, you know, show that they're uh, capable of taking on um, an incident, a case and run with it and take charge. And, and, and rightly so, you know, they follow instructions, there are procedures, there's this, you know, supervision, there is 
uh, ranks and all that. And what happens sometimes is the uh, emotional aspects, the, uh, the mental aspects, the social aspects, uh, the spiritual aspects are neglected. So much that even though if I was a junior officer, I go to the parade before we go on the road. Sometimes I look around and observe body language. You know, here's a supervisor talking and somebody has, is looking down and they're not even looking up and you wonder what's going on here. You know, so to me, those are indicators in terms of, uh, you know, oh, by the way, when we were at the parade, I saw that, you know, you did A, B, C, D, you know, did, you know, did I miss something? Was, were you communicating something? Are you, you know, can we talk about it? So creating a conflict resolution culture is really addressing matters when they arise. Mm -hmm. Someone has said that uh, the gap between the time you see there is a conflict and the time you try to address it, that gap in between tells you about the relationship. Because in healthy relationships, when things happen, you talk about them as a way of life. You don't set up a meeting. You don't wait and do your investigations behind the scenes without talking to the person. You don't check with other people, you know, do you see that this person is showing up late? You know, they don't respond to calls well. You know, and, and you, you don't do that. You simply say, hey, you know what? I, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I feel like, you know, there is some kind of, I don't know what it is, you know, be investigative. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it looks like you, you know, you and I, I'm not too sure what it is. You know, can we talk about it? Then you talk about it. But if, if there is tension and there is a conflict, and it's even difficult for you to even raise that kind of comment to someone. That just shows that there's no conflict resolution culture. Mm -hmm. Because once you have a culture that seeks to resolve issues as they arise, everybody's of that mindset. Hey, listen, uh, supervisor, you know, uh, I kind of felt like what you did the other day made me feel, and the supervisor doesn't say, it doesn't attack them. You know, but say something that invites a conversation. Oh, it's interesting you should mention that. Let's talk about it. Hey, you know what? You know me well enough. Uh, there's no way I would do stuff like that to frustrate or to yeah. hurt anyone. So it's, it's really that concept of seeking to address issues as they arise as a way of life without complicating things and waiting a long time mm. to... Uh, find a way to address it yeah yeah interesting so yeah we we talk we talk in this country um a, a little bit <laughs> i say somewhat facetiously about bias um and a lot of it is is about racial bias and so forth um i think that some of the issues in policing um, go much deeper than that. I'm not going to deny that there isn't some racism right. possibly in certain departments. 
Uh, but I think that it's, it's much deeper in that. And I think that what we have going on sometimes with the divisiveness between certain communities and police departments, uh, it, it, it creates a negativity before something even happens. And as in, in many discussions on culture, whether it be in business or in life or relationships, you know, there's the axiom of we can't change the other person. We can't do anything. We can't force that other individual really to think or feel or do anything uh, that we would like. But one, one of the few things in life that we do have control over is what we do how we react to things, right. um, how we're going to feel. Um, and while we may not necessarily have a choice as to how we feel initially, we do have a choice as to whether to dwell there or not. Um, so it's always, it's always been my thought, for instance, if you're angry or you're afraid, is the, one of the worst things you could do is like, okay, I'm just going to suppress it. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna be angry today. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be afraid. I'm not gonna be upset. So da, 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 da. And it's always been my thought is to acknowledge it and then don't dwell there and move on. And so to my, to my point and to what you said, as well as getting to police and community relations, yeah, is, is there some value <clears throat> as a police officer to be able to say, you know what, I'm stressed. Yeah, I'm working 12 hour days. Um, we've got a number of people that just, you know, don't like me that maybe even hate me for no apparent reason. Yeah, but I'm not going to suppress it. I'm not going to say, hey, you know what, I got a job to do. I'm going to acknowledge it. And I'm going to, and I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to choose to reach out to this community. I'm going to choose to have a positive day today and not attack it or go through my day with any preconceived negative notions. Is, is that something that, that helps? Is that something that you, you teach at all in terms of, of helping to the law enforcement professional being able to connect with people a little bit better rather than already going in in a negative situation before an incident even happens? Oh, absolutely. You know what? I, I, was very, I was very encouraged to hear you talk about, uh, you actually used the word acknowledge in terms mm -hmm. of acknowledging feelings. See, when feelings are shared, they're not there to be evaluated. Or if, if a feeling is expressed by someone, it's not, they're not doing it so that it is evaluated or criticized or ridiculed, mm -hmm. but to be acknowledged. And oftentimes, the way uh, someone responds to your sharing of feelings will either open the door or shut the door in terms of, hey, this is not the kind of person I can approach and talk about what I am experiencing. So oftentimes, police officers, there's a tendency to, to shut in or shut down and keep things to yourself. And, and, and I think that's where part of the problem uh, occurs. Uh, part of my focus and concern is really is officer wellness to make yeah. sure that they are serving and functioning from a holistic approach to health. You know, they, when they show up at the parade before they go on the road, especially the frontline uh, um, officers, 
what I'm saying to the police jurisdictions and police services, I know in the US you talk about police departments. I actually, in, in, and I've heard some people talk about the police force. I, I, I think we, we need to develop a new lingo in terms of a service. It is a service. Mm -hmm. So when police officers show up, one of the things I'm saying now to our police services is um, it's a good thing they have showed up for work, but let's take an interest to find out, are they ready to go? Yeah. Because how they serve is going to reflect who they are. Mm -hmm. You see, I know police officers, I mean, you and I know that police officers don't make the laws. The government makes the laws and they enforce it. But oftentimes when the public see them, they are seen as the bad guys because of what they enforce, but they're simply saying, hey, somebody made the decision, I've been authorized and taken an oath to make sure that that decision is done right. But within that, Ken, is this whole uh, schmear of personality, yeah. the officer personality, the officer biases, uh, you know, we, we all have our biases. It's what we do with the bias that makes the difference, right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, so you know, and, 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 and how they walk down the street. In my book, I talk about police officers being friendly. Oftentimes I go to places where they don't know me, like other jurisdictions. You see a police officer walking down the road and you say, hi, morning. And some of them kind of, unfortunately, and I'm saying this about my friends, but you know, yeah. we're friends. Sometimes they sort of give you that look and say, morning. But, mm -hmm. and, and I'm saying, okay, if community policing is a byproduct of policing with the community, I think we need police officers who are really conscious of that and who are friendly. It doesn't mean you have to be friends with everybody, but just having a friendly right. personality and being approachable. So, those are the things I'm concerned about when I interact with uh, police services and just say officer wellness is very important yeah. because how this officer is going to get into the cruiser to go on the road and interact with people has to do with their wellness. Yeah. You know, and, and, and uh, you know, how is their pocket? How are they managing their finances? And I'm sure that's where Ken comes in. Mm -hmm. You know, how are they managing themselves spiritually and socially and mentally, emotionally and all that? Yeah. So that's part of that whole mix. Now a word from our sponsor, the Police Officers Credit Union Association. The POCUA can suggest a credit union that serves public safety professionals in practically every state in the country. One state we definitely have covered is Tennessee. Knoxville Law Enforcement Federal Credit Union serves all first responders in Knox County, Tennessee. The credit union has been proud to be serving members for over 60 years and invite you to see if you're eligible to join their family. For more information about Knoxville Law Enforcement FCU, go to klefcu.com or call 865-522-3900. To find an institution to serve you outside of Knox County, Tennessee, or in any of the other 49 states, go to policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't banking with a POCUA credit union, 
you're just working with an institution that just so happens to serve public safety professionals and you deserve better. It's interesting because in a lot of my dealings in business, I've, I've had the opportunity to mentor many people at different levels of the org chart, if you will. And you know, some of these folks, a few of them, you know, wondering, well, I'm smart, you know, I, I accomplish goals. Well, you know, why am I having such a hard time moving to that next level? And, you know, I usually have to tell them in a nice way because, you know, you've got this, you know, angry demeanor about you <laughs> as you walk around. Yeah. And, and one of the easiest tips, which I think applies to the law enforcement as well, although I realize it's a little bit tougher to do right now, is, is I tell them just, just simply, you know what? A friggin' smile goes a long way. You don't even have to get into a conversation. You know, when somebody walks by you in the hallway in the office and says, good morning, when you just go, hmm, and walk by, you know, in, know, in, in my hometown of Chicago, yeah. you know, we call those people jagoffs. <laughs> and you don't have to be that way. You know, even if you don't want to say good morning back, I would suggest that you do. But if you, even if you don't want to say good morning back, you know, just simply, you know, smiling and nodding smile. and, and acknowledging <laughs> You know, just that, for the love of God, will go a long way in that, okay, well, maybe he or she doesn't want to talk today, but I've been acknowledged. You know, she smiled exactly. at me. Exactly. smiled it's, at it's me. That so. acknowledgement. <laughs> it's that acknowledgement, Ken, and I agree with you totally. Someone said that uh, a smile is a curve that straightens a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, we got we got enough crap going on in the world, right? Yeah. Now, you know, just 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 a smile, and you know. But you know what you what you said about officer wellness, and and I'm really passionate about this. And here in the U.S., we we have a lot of people that like to write to fund the police on a piece of cardboard and staple a stick to it and drive it somewhere. Um, and I even ask sometimes, well, what does that mean? What's, what's this plan, this grand plan that yeah. you have, if that's what you want to do. And I'm of the belief that we need more funding for the police, oh, but, certainly. But, but not, but not necessarily in the area of more weapons of more, um, fighting training and things of that nature. I think we need more funding for the police for these wellness initiatives, you know, right. where, we, where we really dig into the person, because I think if we did that, a lot less of these incidents would happen. And, you know, I'll give you an example of, you know, I talk about you know, in an officer, anybody for that matter, but especially an officer, because this is so critical, when they're already starting their day from a negative, you know, their spouse bitched at them, yeah, they've got, you know, financial problems, they're upset, you know, with their lieutenant, you know, whatever it is. And a number of years ago, my wife and I were having dinner at a bar in a very nice restaurant, and there was an officer who was, who was in uniform, who was clearly starting his shift in the evening, um, having a Diet Coke and, you know, a, a meal. And of course, you know, as I always do, I said, you know, thank you for your service. You know, I appreciate what you do for the city. You know, I hope you have a safe night and everything. And you could tell that he was really angry. You know, he was upset 
that we interrupted his dinner, even though we were sitting right next to him, um, which I thought, all right, well, you know, I'm just saying hi and thanking you, but okay. <laughs> and he warmed up a little bit, but in that warming up, he talked for about 15 minutes as to how much he hated his job, how much he's looking forward to retirement in 18 months from whatever that time was. And I felt for this gentleman, but also my number, but my number one thought was this guy is going out on the road to serve our community and he's already pissed. So imagine what it's going to be like when he actually does run into a situation that needs to be de-escalated when he's already escalated. And I kept thinking, and maybe I'm naive, Doc, I don't know. But I kept thinking if we had wellness programs for people like this, this former officer, you know, maybe we would just be a little bit better in, in our communities. <laughs> You're absolutely right, Ken. You know, I, uh, you would not have said it any better. One of the things I mentioned in my book is um, Mediation, negotiation, conflict resolution is an ongoing practice in frontline policing. But unfortunately, the training some of our police jurisdictions are receiving is not really focusing and equipping them to have the alternative dispute and conflict resolution skills. So you find that, like you mentioned earlier, in terms of defunding and uh, defending the police and all that and uh, and by the way I'm all for the police so I defend them sure defunding I don't think that's an answer uh, if there is going to be a defunding you know I think that can be done in consultation with the police okay you guys have been getting this are you still capable of doing this or should we find somebody else who can help you do this so that we're not giving the money to you but to somebody you know let's talk Anyway, so you find that this whole idea of de-escalation and conflict resolution, sometimes when you look at the curriculum, there isn't a whole lot of stuff in terms of content there. Um, they, 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 um, it is there, but some of us would really like to see more of that. Because once they put on the uniform, People usually are on the defense, you know, they become defensive. But even if you are in uniform and you have all your weapons and stuff like that, the way you communicate to people and approach people can be so de-escalating and so inviting that people don't feel threatened. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's part of the education um, emphasis that needs to be picked up and be intentional in our police academies, you know, really equipping them to be conflict resolution practitioners. I mean, I've seen younger police officers going to a a call where they were guiding all the people and saying, hey, you know, sir, no, that's not the way, you know, you shouldn't be. And I'm saying, wow, this is impressive. Younger guys. And I think the more we equip police officers with skills in terms of um, uh, personal skills and people skills, the more 
they will be seen as human beings and not yeah. just take charge and you know we're going to handcuff you we're going to put you away we're going to send you away but let's talk you know yeah. so I, I i i totally agree with you I, I i think the emphasis should be on let's change how people view us yeah by by uh just being different let's surprise them let's surprise them you yeah. know do something different i mean you approach someone in in a restaurant who is having dinner sure you interrupt it but hey we're thanking you for your service and you actually got the impression and you are a member of the community you know the public but yeah. you actually noticed that this officer had issues yeah you know, so you wonder how many, and, and we don't want many going onto the road. I mean, going on the road to serve when they have those kinds of issues. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I love what you said, which we talk about as much as we can, which is humanizing the badge, uh, because if they 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 just if if a community individual who has a who has a bias towards law enforcement, frankly. Uh, just sees the badge um, that could be a very negative situation exactly. uh, but if but if they yeah. see a mother a father a sister a brother um, and understand as I often say you know we all pretty much want the same thing which is we want to finish our job and go home safely to our families right. um, yeah that sometimes changes the perspective but you gave me a, a perfect segue you mentioned your book uh, which is Community Policing, The Path to Healthier Relationships, a Police Chaplain's Perspective. Uh, I know that just came out. So tell us a little bit more about your book. So basically, I am, I am for community policing. Community policing really is um, a byproduct of policing with the community. The days of the police going into a community to take charge and run the show, they're gone. So we really have to think along the lines of policing with the community. And that in itself can carries the idea of having a healthy relationship with the police. <clears throat> because if, if we are um, authorized, uh, taking an oath to, to serve the public, and we want to be effective, we really have to do that in consultation and in collaboration with the public. So in my book, it's, it's unique in the sense that I'm inviting the police and the community into this um, collaborative path of learning from each other. The police needs to learn the community and the community needs to learn the police. That's how we deal with suspicion and uh, fear and uh, you know unhealthy tensions because we don't understand a lot about each other so that's that's the focus of the book really uh, let's enter into learning conversations because I mean I've, I've read books sometimes that bash the police and I say to myself well I don't think a police officer is going to read that kind of book right <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. 
But if, you know, let me if, pour if, myself a scotch <laughs> and, and read this book about how everybody hates me. That, that's, that's, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And so, you know, let's uh, uh, do something that invites people into uh, a learning conversation. And so uh, I'm, 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 very, very uh, happy with with uh, what I have written. Uh, so as I'm you should <laughs> putting in a good word for myself, yeah. <laughs> because it, it really is is um, an invitation to a collaborative uh, uh, approach to uh, policing. Yeah, I I agree with that approach. Um, yeah, to give you an example. Um, you know, I will I will talk about the city I live in, which is is Long Beach, California, and I've been uh, a participant in some forums about policing in the community and so forth here. And there were things on both sides, one from the community and one from policing, that I was really really disappointed in, and thought, well, you know, there's two pieces of the problem right there. You know, one was I discovered that you know, here in Long Beach, and I don't remember the exact percentage, uh, but we have a very large percentage of the population as African-Americans. Uh, but the percentage of African-Americans in the Long Beach Police Department is something like two or three percent. And so obviously these folks just from simple math and I'm a simple guy are not coming from these communities. You know, they don't understand, you know, what it's, what it's like to grow up there and live there. Um, and just as a civilian, you know, maybe I'm ignorant or naive. I would think that it would be that much more difficult to be able to connect and engage um, with those folks. So, you know, there's a problem right there. And here, and here we are having this forum about policing and improving community and police uh, relations and moving forward in this city. And of about 40 some people on this particular online group, none of them are part of law enforcement. And I, I made the comment of how are we going to move forward and be able to create something new when we don't even have police officers in this forum to yeah. be able to give us that perspective. Um, and obviously I was, uh, that particular comment was met with a lot of negativity towards me. I'm like, well, how, how you know, how it's, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> how, how are you going to change a profession or a department without having, you know, even in business, yeah, how are you gonna change a whole department without having input from that department? It doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> That's right. And you're touching on something that I have actually observed, Ken, that some of the loudest voices have become the only voice they, they are listening to, and they are mm -hmm. not even allowing other voices to inform them. Uh, in my book, I also talk about the power of the eternal voice. You know, yeah. when, when it gets to me, myself, and I, uh, in my little corner and uh, I do what I think is right, it just creates more chaos in, in the community. So you really need that input from uh, people from within law enforcement who would be part of the discussion, part of the dialogue. That though, we need to move away now from just 
shouting and making noise to having dialogues and conversations. And I think this is where uh, facilitators who are capable of leading those meetings yeah. would come in. Because if you just leave everything to chance, you know, let's just come together and talk. You know, people are just going to share a bunch of, you know, stuff and it's not going to yeah. go anywhere. So you sit really, there and bitch. Really, yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so, so you really need to have facilitators who are capable of leading those meetings so that, you know, there's a game plan and you're progressing towards something. Because it's, yeah. it's all about building a relationship. And it yeah. just doesn't happen by chance. You really have to be intentional about coming up with a game plan. Yeah. 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 So, uh, well, I'll put you on the spot. You know, obviously there's, there's tons of divisiveness. I know that, that even some of the unrest, as I like to put it, um, wasn't exclusive to the United States. You know, there was some in Canada, there was That's some in, in other yep. countries ac across the pond, as, as they like to say. Uh, but, but where do we start? You know, what, where is the bridge between community and police? You know, how do we begin to build some trust um, from today on? You know, Ken, when you look at uh, uh, the community and the police, there's, there's a power imbalance. The police are in a position of authority, position of power, and the communities are there to uh, basically work with the police, be serviced by the police, and, and, and work together. So I really think that the police must take the initiative Difficult as it is, uh, one of the things I, I, I mentioned in my book is, generally speaking, when there's a conflict between two parties, both parties have contributed. Mm -hmm. It may not be the same percentage, but yeah. both have contributed to this. So we have created this tension, the police and the community, because, you know, something happened, something has happened over a long period of time. So I think the police need to do a little more homework, more soul searching, mm -hmm. and having the humility to actually say, what are some of the things within our police culture that has not served us well, and we are willing to look at it and adjust them? I mean, when, when you think of uh, police culture, it's 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 solid, Ken. It's solid. I mean, you're talking about a history <laughs> that's been in place for years. Yeah. But you know what? There are some things within that culture that has not served as well. So yeah. we should be willing to actually say, you know what? This has not served as well. How do we change that? Now, there are some things we can change on our own, but there are also some things we can change by listening. To the community and the community also needs to listen to the police so one of the things i think is going to be instrumental in this is the police identifying key leaders in communities and mm -hmm. approaching them as friends and people willing to learn and to say listen there's some things that have gone wrong we did not cause them yeah. but our history has we want to correct that. Yeah. 
Yeah, great point. How do we how do we go about it? But you see, as long as the police think they have all the answers and the community thinks they have all the answers, it's not going to work. Yeah. You know, we, we really have to, uh, I, I, um, in my book, I talk about the danger of a single story, you know, a single story perspective. And oftentimes we just stick to our own perspective and we think, you know, this is it. So we really need to incorporate. I, I, I'll, I'll give you a story. Please. Uh, the other day I was, um, I was, I was, I mean, my heart was just melted when I learned that in, in one of our regions where people are saying they don't want the police in the schools at all. And yet I met an officer who was invited to be a pallbearer in one of the schools because they had such a good relationship with the kids in that school and they were saying people don't realize how this hurts me that these are my friends these are children i have seen grow up someone died and they invited this officer to be a pallbearer because they were friends they saw this officer as part of the family now pallbearers are not picked up from the street you know, you're talking close friends, yep. close family here. And I was saying to myself, oftentimes, you know, we come in and we say, we don't want these police officers. We don't want this. And I'm saying, okay, yeah, sure. You are expressing your own opinion, but have you consulted with other people and just said, okay, let's, let's, let's bring our heads and hearts together, mm -hmm. you know, to find solutions because the police don't have it all together. The community doesn't have it all together. And I think this is why uh, community policing is, is, is such a key approach because it invites the community and the police to actually say, let's work together. Let's create a new culture here. So our police need to, um, difficult as it is, uh, I think we need to have the humility to just say, hey, we want to learn. Yeah. Things have gone south here but we want to correct that. Where do we start? Approach key leaders. And, and those key leaders are there. Yeah. Those key leaders are there in the communities. Yeah, I think the, the key leaders, pun intended, are the key. Um, you know, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I come up with these you know, great words of wisdom sometimes, Doc. But, like uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we were just, I, I, I have the privilege of, of running a, uh, facilitating a mastermind for a number of police foundation executives. And we, we talked the other day and I, I, I mentioned something that um, a good friend and another guest on Public Safety Talk Radio, Robert Thibodeau, who's a retired police officer and a current pastor. Um, you know, we talked about the role of, of faith leaders in, in all of this. And he pointed out that it seems, at least for now, that a lot of the religious leaders in certain communities in the United States have kind of taken a little bit of a step back. Um, unlike the example he gave a number of years ago in Baltimore, where they were front and center uh, in between the police and, and the community and trying to bring that together and also basically say, you know, we, we certainly need to yell and tell our voices, but we don't 
create destruction. Um, that's not going to be the path that's going to get us to where we want to go. But, yeah. uh, but I believe that, that key leaders, whether it's in a religious sense um, or some other type of sense, is, is where the, the beginning of a solution is. And I used in this mastermind an example that is very sophomoric, but I think is, is still poignant, is not too long ago, we had an issue where, you know, a, a friend of my wife and myself, you know, didn't like some other friends and da 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 And, you know, I, we were able, or I was able to just say, you know what, to, to one group, I know the I know this person and I can understand how you would be a little upset but let me tell you a little bit about this person because I think it'll change your perspective and then go to the other party and say yeah you know I I could see how they upset you but this is the perspective I know they're coming from and if I if I could explain yeah. this to you I I don't think you'll be as as angry and was able to create that bridge and that, that's, that's obviously a very sophomoric example just among, you know, six, seven people. Uh, but it's the same. That's great. In that my, is great. Yeah, yeah, in my mind, it's the same principle. If you have a key leader that, that understands police as people, that understands a community as people, and says, you know what? At the end of the day, we've got some issues here, but you actually aren't as far apart as you think you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Actually, you know what, when you mentioned uh, faith leaders, you just reminded me, York Regional Police um, does this every year with their recruits, not every year, but every time you have a, 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 a class, um, uh, trainees going through the program, they have a tour of the um, places of worship. Mm -hmm. um, all the different religions in the region, they try to visit, communicate, you know, connect with them, sit down, ask questions. If something ever happened here and we came, what would be the protocol? What would be the expectations? What do you expect us to do and so forth? And I'm like, wow, this is, this is great. And I think using the same approach to identify key leaders, including faith leaders and other opinion leaders in the community and just say, you know what, you are aware of what has been happening. And uh, we want to correct that. Um, would some of you be, and you know, you really need to have people as high as the chief of police do that. Take that exactly. initiative to connect. You can't just send a representative, somebody junior to go and do this. No, yeah. the head of the police service going there and just saying, you know, if it means connecting with them in different ways and just showing up and say, listen, I'm wondering if you could link up with a few other people you think need to be part of this discussion because we need to work together. Yeah. So I, 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 I agree with you. It's, it, it can be done. Uh, humbling as it is, but I think in doing that, they would also be showing humanity. I, I, I mentioned that, um, you know, frontline policing presents police officers with numerous opportunities to display humanity. Yeah. And I think when the chief shows humanity like that and say, I want to learn, I think it's a powerful statement. Yeah. 
Yeah, I heard in a, in a, in a seminar not too long ago, um, the phrase of listen to learn and learn to listen. Um, and, and in, in that same phrase, exactly what you had talked about, which is in, in any conflict, um, even as right as you think you are, um, you contributed, even if it was 1%, 5%, 10% to that conflict. Um, so why not focus on that percentage, which you can change rather than the, 80, 90, 95%, even if you are mostly in the right, that you can't necessarily change. Um, so great, great discussion, Doc. I could talk to you much, much longer, but I, 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 know, I know you definitely have better things to do uh, up there in Toronto. Um, but last question I have for you is for all of our folks in the audience that, uh, that could really use uh, your brilliance, tap into your expertise, uh, and of course, be able to, to find your book. How best can they find you out there in the world? Actually, I am on LinkedIn. I know not everybody's on LinkedIn, but... Uh, but they should be. Uh, That's just, how we connected. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know. And uh, I am I'm very... I try as much as possible to be very approachable. By the way, one of the things I mention in police uh, services when I interact with them is, you know, some of our... Uh, supervisors may have an open door policy, but nobody walks in to see them. <laughs> so we can be approachable, but uh, we know we really need to be approachable. And uh, I, I try to create that, uh, you know, when people connect with me on LinkedIn, I respond. And uh, the, the book is available on uh, um, uh, Amazon.ca and Amazon.com, uh, more for the uh, U.S. guys. Um, and it's also uh, available on uh, uh, Barnes and Noble, and um, so and and my details would be available on LinkedIn. So and if any of the officers, because you know what, Ken, let me say this. Sure. Oftentimes, because as a chaplain, you are in the organization, but you are an outsider. So oftentimes you find that police officers feel more comfortable speaking to somebody who knows about what goes on in the organization to some degree, but someone who is not attached to the organization in such a way that it interferes with privacy and you know confidentiality and yeah. all kinds of issues. So depending on the, um, uh, the expertise or the skills of a chaplain, there are so many numerous opportunities for chaplains to interact with police yeah. officers and be a help to the police service. And one of the things that breaks my heart, Ken, and I'll tell you this as a friend, yeah. many of our police services have not discovered the value of chaplains who are skilled to journey with their officers and complement their work. Because what yeah. we do never hit the headlines. We're talking to officers in the cruiser. It doesn't get published, but lives get impacted. Yeah. Decisions are made. Follow-ups are made over the phone when the officer is offline, you know, off duty and all that, and we connect. And so, and I'm saying to myself, what is it that this culture seems to value, you know, the other 
services and the other titles, you know, psychologists and, mm -hmm. you know, and all, and, and rightly so, it's important, but let's be eclectic in how we serve our, our officers. We need to understand that we need to draw from here, draw from there, draw from there, because officer wellness is going to represent this whole police department, this whole police service. So let's equip them well enough so that they serve well. That's, that's my passion. Yeah, I didn't pick up that you were passionate about that at all, Doc. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, You're such a great guy. <laughs> I, Thanks, I, <laughs> I told you we'd have some fun. Uh, but uh, but yeah. yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. This, uh, to, to be very, very blunt, um, this problem is way too big. Uh, That's right. Did not draw from a number uh, of different sources and, and all sources that are available out there. Um, and one comment on LinkedIn, and this is good for all of my audience to hear, is is I'm as active on LinkedIn as I can be uh, as an entrepreneur that plays in a few different circles, including public safety. Um, as well as, as entrepreneurial, as well as financial. I try to connect with as many people as I can through, through that particular uh, Sorry for service. interrupting. I'm glad you did that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad I did too. And I will tell you that as I try to connect police chiefs, fire chiefs, EMTs, um, are very, very open to connect with me and have a conversation. But when it comes to financial and entrepreneurial, <laughs> that's where I get the cold shoulders. So if you don't think that, that leaders in public safety aren't approachable, go on LinkedIn because these folks connect as, as, as my friend uh, Dr. Francis here has uh, pretty easily. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. You're very kind. I appreciate that. Yeah, no. <laughs> Thank, thank you. Thank you for being on the show. It's been my pleasure to have you, and I really appreciate the time that you were able to take today. Hey, the pleasure is mine. I really, really appreciate the, you know, the invitation, and thank you for making time to include me in this uh, uh, great vision. Uh, there's great potential for this, so keep up the good work, Ken. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And you're always welcome. And thank you to all of you who have either watched or listened to this latest episode of Public Safety Talk Radio. And we will be back with you in about a week with another great episode. Take care. Public Safety Talk Radio is produced by the POCUA. POCUA is a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. To learn more about our association and to find one of our credit unions or service providers near you, go to www.policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't working with one of our POCUA credit unions, you're just banking with an institution that just so happens to serve first responders. As a public safety professional, you and your family deserve better. Find a POCUA credit union today.